My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer fades, summer flowers fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here I confess, my worth and unworthiness my value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Heavenly Father, as we again pause, I want to invite your presence And as we anticipate commemorating what you've done for us on the cross, may you personally, may it be a personal experience for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Children, I have a story for you this morning, so come on front and sit in the center aisle if you would. All right, good morning. Do you ever forget things? Yeah. I want to see how good your memory is. About a year and a half ago, we sat in this same spot, and I told a story. You're shaking your head. You remember. What did I talk about? You remember sitting here, okay. Nope. I had... Nope. Oh, I read the book. Yes, that's the one you're thinking of, not that one. I had two props. I had one sitting up, and then I brought another one out. Let me get it. I brought it along again. I'll see if you remember. Ah, I see some heads. You remember this? And what did, what did we do with this? I brought something else. Jesus died on the cross. We set something on here, an animal. This proves my point. I love it. We need reminders. Nope, not a lamb. Okay, I'll get it. This one's a little different. I had something different last time, but I brought a snake. Remember? And we wrapped the snake around the, the cross. You remembering? 
What did we talk about? Spencer? Okay. We talked about Moses and the Israelites, and they were complaining. They said, Moses, take us back to Egypt. It was better there. And so God told Moses to put a snake on a pole. Now, all we know is a pole. I like to think that Moses used a cross because it was a symbol of what was to come. And what did the people have to do to be healed? Look at the snake. All they had to do was believe. That simple. They would be healed. You see, I think Jesus did that for a purpose because he was pointing ahead to Jesus coming on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? For our sins. And how are we saved? One word again. Believe. All we have to do is believe. Now, this morning... Do you know what this table's for? This is the real reason we came up here. We need to talk about this table. Yeah? The Last Supper. Do you know what's under the white cloth? It's bread. Do you know what's in there? It's juice. Now, why are our moms and dad going to have a snack? I thought snacks are for children. You see... That seems, might seem kind of funny, but this is serious. And I want, I want to just, I want to talk about this. You see, when Jesus was with, was with his disciples, he got bread and he broke it up into pieces. And he gave it to each of the disciples. And he says, I want you to do this often. I want you to eat this bread so that you remember me. Ah, oh, Jesus knew that the disciples would forget so he wanted to put something in place that they would remember him. And then he got the juice. And he said, drink this juice. And when you drink it, think of my blood. Because I'm going to die for you on the cross. So when you drink it, think of me. Now as we go into this communion time, you're going to be sitting there. And your parents are going to take the bread and the juice. And I want you to do something. Before I tell you, how many of you have nice parents? Yeah. You all, I am convinced, have parents that care for you. But let me tell you this. If it wouldn't be for Jesus on the cross, I'm not sure they would be nice parents. It is only because of what Jesus has done in their life is because it's, that makes them love you and care for you. So as you're sitting on the bench this morning, and the bread and the juice come around, you, I want you to sit there, and I want you to look up at your mom and dad, and in your head, I want you to think, thank you, mom and dad, for choosing to serve Jesus, because that affects you. Can we do that this morning? As we're sitting there, as you see your mom and dad take the bread and the juice, say, thank you, mom and dad, for making that choice. They're setting wonderful examples for you. You may go back to your parents.
This morning, I have a question. Is communion personal? This morning, I want communion to be personal for each one of us. We are about to participate in a practice, and we're doing this together as a body, and it's beautiful. We need to do it together. But yet, each one of us need to personally come to the cross and experience that. We each need to reflect. And as we participate in the emblems in a bit, it is to remind us of what Jesus has done. Communion is a practice with a purpose that points to a person, a person who wants a personal relationship with each one of us. And my prayer as I prepared for this message this morning, as I got ready anticipating communion to participate with each of you, my prayer was that it would be personal for each one of us. So we have a practice that we're going to participate in, a practice that's beautiful, a practice that was started by Jesus to his disciples. He broke the bread, he got the juice, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, a specific practice. Now, as I think about the practice, sometimes I wonder if the brethren have it right. They do it around a love feast. But I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at specifically. He was pointing to the remembering process, the part of eating the bread and drinking the juice. And you see, as uh, last communion, remember I brought some 13 individuals up here and we kind of got a little mental picture of what the Last Supper may have been like. Around that time, we talked about the senses that Jesus incorporated, that made it touching, that made it memorable. The eating, the talking, the smelling, the food. All the different senses were incorporated, and that made the practice that much more enjoyable and memorable. So we have a practice here. We as the Myerstown Church have chosen to do it twice a year where we take time to follow through with the commands, the requests that Jesus has for us in practicing the bread and the juice. So we have a practice, and really it is simple. Yes, there's arguments out there of if Jesus' body is actually in the emblems, if he is actually present. I don't take much breath to argue that because I think the specific purpose of these emblems, of the practice, was to remember what Jesus has done. A simple practice doesn't really need any explanation. It's laid forth simply. And then we think about the purpose. So it's a practice with a purpose. And many times in the, in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, John, refer to the Last Supper... And they say, Jesus brings forth the emblems, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. He lays out the purpose. The purpose of this is to remember. And my point was proven with the children, we forget. Now, maybe that's not fair to ask what I shared a year and a half ago. But we as humans, and I've, this is something that I've been thinking about in our past couple messages. I brought this up. We as humans forget so we need reminders. And Jesus knew that even the disciples who were walking with him would forget. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember me. What I have done for you. 
This puts us in our spot. This time of remembrance kind of puts us where we should be. Sometimes we think we're big stuff, or we got life under control, or maybe we don't got life under control and we're wondering why. But all Jesus wants of us is come to the cross and recognize it's not about us, but it's about him. That's the purpose. It puts us in our spot when we remember him. When we think of remembering, I think Jesus specifically brought this practice as a reminder of what was in the past. So a reminder, we often bring up something in the past. Or I might have a reminder for something in the future. The purpose of the emblems or communion, I think, is beautiful. Because we look back and we see, remember what Jesus has done for us. The bread is a symbol of his body. Broken, beaten, battered for you and for me. Then we drink the juice and we think about the blood pouring out of his side. There's a purpose behind it. We remember that. But not only do we remember what has happened, we're reminded of what is to come. The supper, the feast around with Jesus, with the saints around the table. Oh, what a glorious thing to anticipate and look forward to. So not only does this remembrance not only do we look back, but we also look forward. The practice of communion is carried out in a group setting, but the goal is to point to the person of Christ. So we're doing it as a group, and there's been efforts put into the practice that we're about to participate in. Somebody has baked the bread. Somebody has got the juice ready. Somebody, we hope, has warmed up the water slightly or at least not ice cold. There's been preparation. That's been done by many individuals. But those, all that, those individuals cannot make you or help you make this personal. That is for you to decide. Are you going to make this a personal experience for you? Are you here just because? That's part of the church events that I go to. Are you going to make it personal this morning? a remembrance for you and what God has done for you specifically. I want to warn you, Satan doesn't like this. In 1 Corinthians 11, I'm just going to refer to a verse there, Paul calls out the Corinthian church and he rebukes them. And God forbid this would be said of Myerstown. He says this in verse 17, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. That ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. He's telling the Corinthian church that they're getting together and it's for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest. When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before him another supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. The church at Corinth was getting together for a love feast. But before they were coming for the feast, they were having their own meals before. And they had no meaning. They came to the love feast and just picked away at it. Because they weren't hungry. Or some were coming and they were getting drunk on the wine. The communion meant nothing anymore. And Peter and Paul rebuked them saying, it's better that you wouldn't even get together. And so I want to call us. Remind us, brothers and sisters, 
that we need to do personally, each do our part in making this a personal experience with remembering. What are you doing to make this personal? May it not be said of us that it's better that we wouldn't even get together. It goes beyond the practice. There's a purpose for it, but it's a personal choice each one of us has to make. We get a little glimpse into the the tendencies of humans. At the Last Supper, I think of Judas. And I don't know if Jesus dismissed him before they took communion or after. But either way, Judas had a chance to repent, and he didn't. And he went off and did his own thing. This communion meant nothing to him. May May that not be said of us. Peter, when Jesus comes around to the disciples, he gets to Peter, and Peter says, no, no, no. You can't wash my feet. And Peter gets into an argument with Jesus. May we not be arguing with Jesus when we are trying to remember what he has done for us. Or then it continues on, the disciples get into argument of who's the greatest. While Jesus is around the supper with them, sharing the bread and the juice, the disciples start arguing. May that not be said of us that our hearts are not where they should be. As we come to commemorate, we are going to miss out on something if that is the case. That's a human tendency. You see, Satan wants to distract us. And I pointed to the practice. We're going to participate in the bread and the juice. And Satan doesn't like this. And maybe I'm abnormal. But as it comes to communion, do you ever think, well, how big of a piece of bread am I going to get? How should, I, how should I get it from the minister as he hands it out? Oh, how long should I stand? When should I sit down? Or the juice comes around, say, whoa, we pray and hope that we can grab that little cup out of the tray without it sticking too much, or spill it on our shirt. Or do I keep singing while I'm drinking, or when do I stop singing? Am I, am I weird? Do you ever have those thoughts? Or maybe you think, why don't we have the one cup like we used to? Or maybe we get to feet washing, and we say, oh my, who am I going to be with? So we purposely try to be at a certain place in line so we can be with the, the brother or sister we want. Or should I give the kiss, or should I just give a hug? And just a reminder, communion, I think, is a beautiful place to practice the, the holy kiss after washing feet. I say those things because I think Satan brings about those thoughts to distract The purpose of this, it's a practice. And yes, we like to make it so it flows nicely. But let's look beyond the little things of the practice. And Jesus wants us, as we practice, is to remember. And it needs to be a personal experience. So let's put those thoughts, those distractions that Satan wants to bring. And let's focus on the person of Christ. Let's participate in the practice with the purpose of personally connecting with the person. So there's a practice. There's a purpose behind it. Satan wants to distract from that. Are you going to personally choose to be focused or have a purpose of connecting with the person? And then we think about the person. The whole point of this is to remember the person of Jesus Christ, what he has done. Each one of us who are going to participate this morning have chosen to accept Jesus. We've come to the cross and we've asked repentance. But we continually need to come to the cross 
to put us in our spots. And as we come to the cross, we need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. He has done so much. We don't deserve it. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. I've made it a, a practice or a tradition to, to read Isaiah 53. I, I could stand up here and talk about what Jesus has done. We know the pain. We know of the pain, I should say. We don't know the pain that he went through. But he did it for each one of us. He was despised. He was rejected by his own father for a bit. All for us. And as we think about the practice... And there's a purpose behind the practice. It's all to connect or to think about the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And so I want us to follow along as I read Isaiah 53 as it describes the person of Christ. Who hath believed our report? And to whom of the, is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should even desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like have sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin... He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That was Isaiah's prophecy of the person we are commemorating this morning. Went through so much pain, all for us. All we like sheep have gone astray, but he did it for us. So as we participate in the practice, may we do it with a purpose of connecting with the person 
that we just read about in Isaiah 53, who went through so much pain for us. And let me read the poem of the song once more as we close our time. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, beauty, hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. And for the refrain, repeat the line after me. I rejoice in my Redeemer. Greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in him, no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about participating here in this practice, we want to personally remember what you've done for us. There's a purpose behind it. And I pray that you would take away all distractions this morning and we could think about, remember what you've done for us. As we take the bread, think about your body. As we take the juice, and think about the blood. As we wash each other's feet and think about servanthood. May we come to the cross and remember that it's nothing that we did, but it's all of what you've done for us. Please be with our time here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn it over to Lester at this time.